and welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Wolf, and I'm here with editor-in-chief of Super Jump and my co-host, as always, on the Super Jump Podcast, James Burns. Hey, James, how's it going? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm a little bad. I'm a little good. I'm mostly good. I just have a little badness in, in my heart right now because of, of something re- regarding uh, Reddit. But besides that, besides that, I'm doing pretty good. Now, that Reddit thing isn't something we're going to talk about today. That could be a whole different conversation. Um, but there are similarities to be made between that and what we are talking about today, walking simulators, because it has a lot to do with internet uh, 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 feedback and bounce back and the way people don't really vibe with them universally. But before we do that, let's uh, just take a minute if you like the podcast, if you're a fan of the podcast, if you're subscribed to the podcast, well, first of all, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please do that. That helps. Um, but if you're any of those things and you like it, please, please review us on iTunes. Give us a four, give us a five. That bit doesn't matter so much. But if you review us at all, it, it helps people find us so much. I had a podcast in the past that had a pretty unique name that if you searched it, it would be the only podcast with that name, but it was still number 10 or so on iTunes podcasts if you searched its exact name. Like, the, the first one through nine weren't even, uh, like, related to the podcast or to the terms I searched at all until we got a review, our first review. And then we moved all the way up in, in SEO, and if you helped us with that, people out there... Um, the same could happen for the Super Jump podcast, and James and I really put our hearts into this show, so if you could do that, that'd be great. But that's enough shilling for the beginning of an episode. Let's talk about the theme today, walking simulators. Uh, James, do you have any experience with walking simulators? Are, 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 you, uh, are you in that scene? Well, I have experience with walking. Um, okay, that's good. <laughs> that's a start. And you've played Sims. <laughs> and I've played assume, Sims. So we're halfway there. We're halfway there, yeah. Um, oh, I've, I've got pretty limited experience with this genre. Um, I am air quoting at the moment that you can't see. Um, and I have to admit, I kind of, I've, I have a bit of a morbid curiosity about it. Um, and, and maybe we can get into the morbid part a little bit as we go. But um, I, I guess one thing I really question is whether or not it's a real genre and, and what makes it a genre, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, it, you know, whenever I've seen the phrase used online, it's usually been a pejorative. You know, it's usually been a way of sort of denigrating a game. Um, how do you see it? I have no idea. Um, I, I use the phrase walking simulator non-pejoratively. I, I just use it w- with a neutral connotation because um, I, I think it is kind of its own thing a little bit. Uh, there are definitely similarities between walking simulators that aren't shared with other uh, games. Or if you don't think it's a game, interactive software, even though I we can talk about that later too. Um, but... And I, I know a lot of people do use it negatively, so I wonder what the developers of the game think themselves. Uh, like, if, if the people that made Gone Home or and Tacoma, for example, if those people... I, I don't think they've ever used Walking Simulator to 
describe their game. It's an inherently nasty name, isn't it? Walking yeah. Simulator. Yeah, it's I mean, it's got a lot of venom to it. It it's kind of it does have a lot of venom to it, and it's sort of an inherently reductive term because you know, in some ways, like the games that fit into this genre, the the movement and the walking is the least significant part of the game design. Um, sure. So calling that out as the genre um, to me sort of seems like an obvious way to dismiss and denigrate the actual focus of the game, which mostly seems to be about, you know, uh, narrative and story. Um, so it's interesting to me that, for instance, people have chosen to call them walking simulators rather than calling them interactive stories, for example. Sure, yeah. Um, we already kind of have something that's like uh, interactive novels mm. that, that are kind of a different thing than this. Uh, so maybe it's just not called that because of, yeah, I don't know, confusion. But they they could definitely be that. You're right. Um, I wanted to talk about a question that you just brought up, um, in, or at the beginning of the conversation, you brought it up. You you're not sure if it's a real genre. Yeah, and I'm actually, I guess I pose that question because to go a little bit more meta on that. I, I actually, um, especially when I see conversations online, I actually question the weight and the value that a lot of people seem to put on genres in general. Yeah, you know, so So, for example, like someone will say, oh, you know, this game is an action RPG versus an RPG. It's a, you know, like... Um, it's a platformer, it's an action platformer, it's an adventure platformer, and it's kind of like, I don't know, to me it's almost a, a debate about nothing sometimes. Um, sure. I mean, I guess I guess it's valuable to have really broad categories, like, for example, you know, to say, well, this, it, you know, Destiny is a, is a first-person shooter versus Uncharted, which is a third-person adventure game. I mean, they are quite different. And, and it makes sense to have some way of articulating that that's sort of really quick and simple. But I, I feel as though sometimes um, people get very, very wrapped up in how a game is classified in the first place when I sort yeah, of question true. whether it actually matters at all. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's a lot of confusion about genres in general. Um, for instance, the horror genre it is a pretty well-established genre of game, but it doesn't actually define anything mechanically. Mm. Saying some saying that something's a horror game, it only defines the game aesthetically and tonally. While um, if you say that a game is a puzzle game you have kind of an opposite problem where that's definitely talking about the mechanics, but if Portal's a puzzle game and Tetris is a puzzle game, yeah. that that those two things aren't similar. Those two things are not anything similar in genre. Um, and then you get something like the uh, j- just talking about it from the other direction of not 
talking about what the genres are, but talking about what certain games are in terms of genres. Like, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, that's a JRPG and a 3D platformer, and it has elements of the relatively recently uh, normalized genre, the Soulsborne genre, and it's also an open world game. And, like, (laughs) none of those things even sound like they could go together except i guess rpg and open world has been pretty tied together for a while mm. um, but but they're all mutually exclusive they they could be whatever they want to be not mutually exclusive what's the one i mean they're just exclusive they don't they're not tied to each other right yeah 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 so i i guess part of this episode something of uh, that we could do so a game for ourselves if you will is to define walking simulator we we can leave this episode having defined the phrase walking simulator uh james and mitchell style will just tag team it we'll make sure that games know whether or not they are walking simulators going forward is it deal yep sounds good sure okay um so i want to talk about some specific uh games that go into this category before we uh talk about the more controversial aspects of them even though we kind of started to already. Um, the game that I most associate with the phrase walking simulator, and I think it was one of, if not the earliest game that has been in this this uh, this pattern of, of game making, which is Dear Esther. Have you played this one? No, I haven't. So this is, um, this would kind of be a counterexample to your suggestion that we call them interactive stories Mm. because dear esther does not have one that i can that i remember at least um it's very much a game about walking around it's just it is literally a walking simulator but the the interesting elements of the game if you find it interesting come from uh though just the the way the environment is you're you're just walking around you're looking at some some stuff it's very much like the japanese idea of of a zen garden Mm. it's just just an interactive digital zen garden um and 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 um I'll, i'll be honest i i think there's some value there for some people but i i can't chill in that space um I, I can get a little bit out of that, but I just can't really live there. You know, I, I, I get a little bored. I, I'm I'm very willing to admit that I get bored because it's in, intrinsically empty by design. Not empty. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, like some people have, have called... Um, mm certain open world games empty because there's not a lot to do it, it, it's purposefully empty and I, I feel that there's meaning there but i don't i don't know not for me not everything needs to be for me right so <laughs> not everything needs to be for you mitch <laughs> 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 so i have a question about this so you you described it as like a an, an interactive zen garden that you walk around and explore mm-hmm. um Beyond actually walking, are there any mechanics at all? So, and I mean, like that could be as simple as, you know, zooming your view in and out to look at something or, um, you know, actually 
interacting with an object. Is there, are there any other mechanics going on? You know, I, um, I, I'm being a really bad podcaster right now because I played it once like a trillion years ago. I cannot, I could not answer that question. Um, <laughs> that's I would to love be, listeners that... to send in corrections at podcast at superjump.online if you want. There are going to be a lot of corrections this episode because I'm the same with, with some, well, at least with some of the games on this list. So I'm hoping I can fill in the, uh, the, <laughs> the blanks because I, I have played a, a number of these. Yeah. One, one of them, I'm segueing here. Um, I actually put in my top 10 list all the time. If I'm trying to say, like, what are my top 10 favorite games or my just my top 10 games, uh, which is Gone Home. I really like this game. Um, and I, I think it's Gone Home in the media reception it got. Um, it was definitely a bigger deal in the industry than Dear Esther. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that being talked about by more people than Dear Esther was. And I, I think that's when the, the blowback to walking simulators really started. Um, would you agree there? Do you remember that being that way? Yeah, I mean, I so when I think of walking simulators, I I immediately think of Gone Home, and and almost to the point where, and I don't know if it was just because Gone Home sort of popularized this type of game, but um, I almost feel like this was the first game that really. Um, that really kind of had this walking simulator idea right front and center in a very unashamed way. And there may have been other games before this that kind of did something similar, but this definitely got sort of garnered the most attention. Uh, And I mean, I know it's won a ton of awards as well. Um, If my top 10 list can be considered an award, (laughs) I would definitely give it. Well, that that's pretty big though, to be in your top 10 list, I have to say. Um, for me, like I think I played this game. Uh, I played it when it first came out, and I played maybe an hour or mm-hmm. so. You played like half the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, yeah. Um, but I never finished it. I never finished it. So I never. So to this day, I still don't know ultimately what was going on. Well, let me give a little description of this. I, I'm much better equipped to do this for Gone Home than I am for Dear Esther. Um, it's a very story-focused, story-driven game. Uh, this would absolutely fit the criteria you laid out before as, as like an interactive story rather than walking simulator in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, Gone Home is the story of a girl who comes home from college i guess she'd be a woman not a girl at that age and she uh she she gets home when no one else is is home and there's a bit of a mystery of like why is no one else home right now um she has two parents and a younger sister that she uh expected to see and and just going around the house you this is first person by the way you use this character to look at um, just things that they've had around the house. Um, and, and another part of this game that I should mention, or part of the story that I should mention, because it's a little important, is that um, 
this is the first time she's been to this house because they the family moved while she was away at college. Uh, so she doesn't know how the house is laid out. Um, like there there are locked doors that she doesn't know where the the keys are to. Um, and, and honestly, she she just has no idea of what's been going on because she's she's been away. Um, and I played this game probably at like the perfect time in my life to do it, which was when I was visiting my family, having come home from a year of college, which was ex- like exactly the same. Perfect. Yeah. Um, as you go around, you'll find like notes on the wall or, or like on a kitchen bulletin board of like, so, or so-and-so did this at school today. I really felt down about that. And um, I, I don't want to spoil anything because I, I do recommend this game. As you go around the house, you just start to build up a story. And um, some of my favorite games, the thing I like about them the most is that uh, they present geometry or, or like a, a world map that I can mentally put together and, and work around and understand. It's what I like about Zelda dungeons. It's what I mm-hmm. like about the worlds in 3D platformers like Banjo-Kazooie. I think it's a really fun exercise. Yeah. And what Gone Home does... It definitely does that for the house itself, which is it, it's kind of a convoluted mansion-esque house, but it definitely does that for the narrative of the game. You're, you're mentally putting together this narrative. By the end of the game, um, it, it's kind of laid in front of you, but you should already have kind of understood it at that time, and you're only getting it from the context clues of your character reacting to things around the house, yeah. which I think is really cool. Um. I, I didn't mean to review Gone Home just now, but I, I did want to give, give some uh, some context as, as to what it is um, and, and stuff like that. What I think is interesting here is that there are gameplay elements to Gone Home. Like, there, there just are gameplay elements. Like, you can't advance through the game in certain areas because a door is locked. And finding a key is, like, a whole, a whole, a whole thing, right? Mm. Um... And in that way, that that's like kind of like an old school Zelda dungeon. Uh, I already used that comparison in one way. Now I'm using it in a different way. You know, you, you um, getting a key to a door, which unlocks a different key to a different door, which unlocks a special item or whatever. Um, but along the way, those it you, those are just like excuses to get you going in the right direction. Along mm-hmm. the way, you are um, encountering all of this family stuff that you're just looking at and you're you're, the enjoyment of the game definitely comes from just looking at things which i can imagine to some people will feel a lot like how i feel about dear esther um which is just i don't want to just look at things you know yeah i mean i i think for me i i don't remember why i stopped playing i don't think it was just purely because I was bored of it. Because if I was, if it was boring me, then I wouldn't have played what I did anyway. Um, probably I had, you know, another game came out that I, you know, another shiny object and I, my attention changed and gone home kind of suffered the consequences of that. Um, but I think what I liked about it was definitely that, you know, that point you made about... Um, it's almost like you're doing something with your hands all the time, if that makes sense. 
I mean, yeah. you know, yes, you're walking around. It it doesn't have to be combat or action or anything. But the fact that you could, you know, open drawers and all of the objects in the drawers could kind of independently be picked up and rotated and you had some interactive elements like the way you could turn the TV on and off and that sort of thing. Um, it it felt as though you were kind of doing something. Even just rifling through things felt like an activity. Um, although if you, you know, if, if you actually think about it for a moment, it is a little bit... There were a couple of times I stopped and thought, this is a bit weird that I'm just going through my parents' house top to bottom and uncovering all sorts of weird shit about my parents and, you know, <laughs> sure, I sure. hope I don't find their sex tape or whatever. Um, that, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. But, <laughs> I mean, if I was to excuse it narratively, it would be like, if you were definitely supposed to see your parents there and they weren't there, you might be a little concerned and you might try to figure it out. But at the same time, yeah, you, you're totally right. I, I don't know if I'd look through everything. <laughs> well, also, I was, and I I, I don't know the the ending. I don't know how it plays out but the thing that made it more fun for me and this says more about me than about gone (laughs) is that in the back of my head i was kind of hoping that something really bad had happened (laughs) and (laughs) i was like i was i was you know like i was uncovering things that that were um, a little bit I, i wouldn't say I wouldn't say they were overly shocking or anything like that, but you know, you definitely uncover some of the tensions in the family and some of the more negative mm. secrets and things. And uh, as I was going through and doing that, I just had this thought in the back of my head that, oh my God, you know, there's something really sinister here. Like the family is all dead in the attic and. I, I had this whole story going on in the back of my head, which I'm sure yeah. has nothing to do with the real story, but that actually it might, made it... It might not. I'm not going to say it either way. Um, <laughs> you, maybe that's I'll, okay. I'll tell you when we stop recording, maybe. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. No, that's cool. Um, and But as a consequence of that, and I don't know if you had this feeling at all as you were exploring the house, this is going to sound so stupid, but as a consequence of that, because I was alone in the house and it was at night, um, anytime I entered a room, the light would go on. I would leave all the lights on. And when I entered a room, I would close the door behind me because I, I was freaked out that someone was just going to walk in behind me and kill me. So Yeah, they master atmosphere. It's, yeah. In a way, and, I, I honestly have no idea how they do it. it it's, it's a magic trick, man. They don't have um there's there's no background music a lot of the time mm. and they still manage to make me freaked out um yeah crazy yeah it's it's very and it's interesting because they could have made it you know they, they could have intentionally made it this very warm pleasant environment but the fact sure. that the fact that it is clearly this sort of warm home and yet it feels oddly cold and frightening at times was really interesting to me i really enjoyed that aspect yeah um like a light can flicker and make you jump just flicker a little bit and that that's uh that's hard to accomplish in actual scary games like prey i think they don't even do as good of a job yeah um not to diss on prey i think prey does a lot good i'm just gone home is really good 
Um, here, here's the deal. Are walking simulators real games? Um, this is the question that's posed. Oh, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's deep. <laughs> some, some people really get attached to this question and, and they, I, I, I say some people, what I mean are, are trolls. I, I don't think they're people. Um, they'll, they'll use this question to attack game media outlets, usually for reviews. Um, like, why are you paying attention to this game? It's not even a real game. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I've kind of shown my hand about what I think of that question. But uh, do you do you have any do you have any feelings about that one way or the other? Um, look, I'm I'm probably like you in that sense. I mean, the way I like to think of it, and I've used this example before um, when feeding trolls occasionally. Um, there was a, I think it was a GDC talk. It might have been two thousand and five with Satoru Iwata. Oh, where wow. he introduced electroplankton for DS mm. and the walking he, simulator of rhythm games. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. The the ultimate non-game game. Um and he made a really interesting um uh sort of comparison. Uh he said uh and I'm going to butcher this, but he said, you know, um if you imagine planets and you know the planet we live on is the games planet and we you know we have this conception of what games are uh, on this planet but what happens if we we actually move off this planet and we explore other worlds where we come across these experiences that they're not recognizable to us as games in the way we think of it but they're still these really interesting fun kind of interactive experiences and then he, he kind of used that as a lead-in for electroplankton. And I thought that was a really sort of interesting analogy because um, I, would, I would personally prefer game developers to think in that way. You know, I, I don't want them to necessarily just keep giving me what they, what yeah. they think I want or what I'm demanding. I want them to really go crazy and really come up with something completely different that I might not even recognize, but that when I actually interact with it, you know, it's fun or it's cool or it's interesting. And it doesn't really have to fit into an existing genre. It doesn't really have to abide by kind of the rules of games, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So here's a game. Here's a game that's sometimes called a walking simulator um, that... I, I think patently isn't that thing you're describing. It isn't something from from a different planet than Games Planet. It's from Games Planet, and that game is No Man's Sky. Um, and, and, and I think this is one of the walking simulators, one of the few walking simulator games that when it was announced, people were, like, people on, on game websites that would normally be against walking simulators were, were pretty into the idea. Um, and... I think that's because they didn't know it was a walking simulator at the time. Uh, the game seemed like something that was way closer to an MMO. Um, like a Minecraft 
like thing in space. Yeah. Uh, and it, it turned out just to not really be that because you can't encounter other players um, and you're, you're, you find, you just go, you just walk and explore randomly generated planets. Um, I, no Man's Sky, let, let's yeah. not beat around the bush, was a disappointment to pretty much everyone. Um, yeah. It was not a positively received game mm. at all. But it has a lot of potential, and I, I think people not calling it a walking simulator until it was released, and then becoming disappointed, and then becoming disappointed and calling it a walking simulator, really didn't do any favors to either No Man's Sky or other walking simulators. Yeah, I um, I followed this game like a lot of people i followed it reasonably closely um Mm -hmm. from announcement to launch and i followed the the absolute train wreck since um (laughs) and it's a really tough one because i do think it's true that this game sort of suffered from uh it suffered from its own ambition in a way I, i think but but I also think, like, when I, as I was watching videos of Sean Murray demoing this game, which he did pretty frequently before it was released, I remember reading comments on those videos where people were, you know, like, people were so excited about, you know, he would talk about the, the ability to mine resources and sell resources and all that stuff, and people were getting so excited about that. And and sometimes I would jump in and comment and I was actually the naysayer. Like I was sort of saying, well, yeah, that all sounds good. That sounds like stuff you can do. But I still don't really understand how this ties together. I don't... So why would you mine resources? Why would you sell resources? To what end? what Mm. like what's the point of doing those activities um i was that guy about no man's sky before it launched and i was interested in it but i in you know like a lot of people subsequently have gone through this whole thing of sean murray lied he's you know the antichrist all that stuff but I was thinking even before it launched, I thought, well, he's showing us mining, he's showing us flight, he's showing us walking around and tagging animals on the planet, and that's all cool. But I felt as though when I played the game at launch, it didn't really shock me as being way under my expectations because I sort of, I never really could see how those elements fit together i saw all these ingredients but i didn't see a recipe for a cohesive design Um, what i think was the most disappointing thing for me about the game is that they they basically said you could meet up with someone else in this mm -hmm. universe and they they said that you can find a planet and if it's the first planet or if it's the first time anyone's found that planet you could name it and found it um, and when the game came out, not only could you not meet up with other people, occasionally when you would find a planet and, and found it and name it, uh, another player would go there and it wouldn't even register 
as having been found before mm. um like like in the net code i guess that was an issue yeah um and and from that that took away a lot of the fun out of the game but uh, a little off topic here we're going we're, we're doing tangents today that's what walking simulators <laughs> do we're doing tangents um i i guess the point is if there's no challenge that needs to be overcome in a game and not to say that there's no challenge with no man's sky there's a little there's there's some challenge um it, but there isn't in gone home uh you can't die you can't lose you um very rarely will find a hard thing to do um is there a point of it being interactive what do you think about that because um, i don't know yeah i mean i i think definitely there is i mean i think um and it almost gets to the point where you start moving from something being a, you know a quote unquote game to being mm-hmm. an experience um and where I've seen that play out the most actually is probably the VR stuff, um, especially with, you know, PlayStation VR is the one I have. And and there are definitely a lot of um, kind of games or experiences on there that, that lend themselves much more to that experience label where they don't really have challenge per se, you know, there's no mm-hmm. kind of fail states as such. But the whole point of it is that you're being dropped into this interactive world that you can explore, and it's really just an excuse to exist in a different place. Um, so for me, I know for a lot of people, they would say, well, you know, if, if you can't die, if there are no enemies, if there are no levels, if there are no puzzles in particular, then it's not a game. Um but I, I don't think that you necessarily need those elements. Uh, I would just say that I uh, that it's it's rare that I really get into those types of experiences. Now and mm-hmm. then, something will come along that I really love. But I, I do tend to prefer sort of more traditional game experiences in that sense. If I could uh, talk about one walking simulator game that um i think absolutely is better as an interactive piece of medium than like a book or a movie um i I would say the stanley parable is one of those yeah Uh, the stanley parable perhaps unfortunately came out right around the same time gone home did and um i i think the stanley parable doing a similar thing so like knowingly indignant about itself if that makes sense i'm struggling to find the words for what it's doing it was very like sarcastic about what it was doing and then gone home tried to do a similar thing and was serious about it and and maybe got a little people to dismiss it because of that but stanley parable is very worthy of being talked about in, in its own right uh, basically, what the game is, is it's a narrated experience where you play a guy named Stanley who works in an office building. And one guy, one day, the guy named Stanley decides to leave. And if you follow what the narrator does, 
or what the narrator says you do, you will just do that. You'll you'll just be um. You, you'll you'll just be a guy named Stanley who leaves a building, and uh, I I think in that case there actually isn't that much of a reason for it to be interactive. That would be that could be a book. That could be a movie. Anything, but what I think is worthwhile is how um, you can ignore the narrator at any point and do something on your own. And there are so many endings to the game of like maybe you follow the narrator's instructions all the way. That's one ending. Maybe you you say or like the narrator says, Stanley took the door on the right, and then you take the door on the left, um, just to mess with the narrator. Um, that's another ending and, and there, there's so many options for you to do just to like explore the space you're in and it becomes obvious um, because because you're encouraged to repeat the game as many times as you want because um, it's only like 10 minutes I by the way if, if someone doesn't know that you could like ignore the narrator and only plays 10 minutes of the game I'm I feel so bad for them but <laughs> I think that's kind of a statement that you can make with the game. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but every ending kind of says something about game design. Yeah. Which you could write about in the form of a book. You could say, chapter one, um, players exploiting glitches. Because one of the endings of the game is Stanley glitching through a wall. And you think, oh man, I've, I've broken the Stanley parable. I, I shouldn't be here. But then the narrator says... And then Stanley glitched through the wall. So it's very, like, it was clear that you were intended to do that the whole time. And, like, the game is about game design. And everything that you do in the game um, is a much better way of showing you how that game design element works than just mm. writing about it in a book. Or, like, um, which, which maybe is a little concerning to people like us who write about games <laughs> um, that there's a much better way to do what we're doing <laughs> but uh it's also a much more difficult way to do what we're doing so i think that's that's a pretty solid way or a solid reason for a game to be or for a walking simulator to be a game rather than a, a book or a movie but if you don't have that like like why uh gone home is a story is it better to be a game than a book what do you think? Um, if it's a if it's a story like Gone Home or well, Firewatch, I mean, uh, I um, so I played both Gone Home and Firewatch, and if they were books, I wouldn't read them. <laughs> okay, uh, that the stories uh, slam from James. <laughs> that the stories are just in and of themselves. So you know, if you if you turn them into a script or you turn them into a novel. I mean, they're pretty... I don't think they're terribly interesting stories uh, as stories, but I think what makes them interesting and intriguing is that you are in the story. You are a... You're not an observer. You're a participant. You're a direct participant. And, um, I mean, Firewatch, for example, you know... I haven't played Firewatch, uh, full disclosure. Definitely worth playing Firewatch um, because it, it's 
I think the fact that it's a slightly newer game in this genre, um, I felt as though you could see that the developers had sort of learnt a lot from other games, um, and and it's it it feels quite good to play because it does have a little bit more interactivity than just walking around, um, and the way the story plays out through the game is very very effective. It's very very well done, but. Yeah, the, the actual story, if you just lifted it from the game and put it in a book or whatever, um, I just think it would lose really anything that makes it interesting um, because it's... Yeah, a... I, I think I agree with you at least like three quarters of the way. Um, at least for Gone Home, again, I haven't played Firewatch, but um, I I definitely cried when I played Gone Home and I also cried when I played uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, which we can we can talk about later. Mm. Um and I, th- I think it had a, a major emotional connection with the player. Um, and it might have just hit me more than it would hit someone else. But I, I think it had that major emotional connection expressly because certain things hit you harder when you find them out yourself. Yes. Um, someone can sit you down and say, there was a girl and her dog died. That's not what happens, but that's just an example. And then you'd be like, oh, man, that sucks but you don't really have an emotional connection to that. Someone just told you, you know, um, if you can like be in the life of that girl and then walk around and find out that your dog died in like a specifically upsetting way to that girl, then, then it hits you, man. Then, then it matters. Mm -hmm. And then the interactivity, uh, kind of shines as a necessary part of the gameplay. Um, one one last thing. Um, do walking simulators affect the rest of the industry? If so, is it positive or negative? This is one of the questions I, I wrote down. I usually write down questions to prepare for the episode before we start. Um, I, I'm not sure about how I feel about this question that I wrote down like an hour ago, though. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, well... I, I think this they, podcast is a walking simulator. This by the podcast, way. Just, yeah, <laughs> this is a podcast simulator. And, and trying to figure out how we feel about things. <laughs> um, look, I think whenever whenever a game does something or an interactive experience does something relatively new and becomes successful, mm-hmm. it's definitely going to impact the rest of the industry and. You know, a game like Firewatch, which is the most recent sort of walking simulator I've played, I do question whether or not that game would exist and would be as good as it is if it weren't for games like Gone Home and Stanley Parable. So the fact that they exist, the fact that they are so good and they were so influential, I think has led to some of these other experiences. And I think, you know, as I said before, the developers definitely are kind of always standing on each other's shoulders. I think they're always learning and, and getting better and progressing what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, from my point of view, it's definitely more positive than negative. I mean, I, I couldn't think of a way in which walking simulators have made the industry worse because if if you don't like them, don't play them. Um, well, I, you could I, I say think... that, but here, here's a here's a counter argument, James. Um, 
I, I think the example of Firewatch existing because of things like Gone Home is is pretty innocent. If you like it, if you don't like it, don't play it. Mm. On the other hand, um, what what happens when uh, the design of a game impacts the design of other kinds of games? For example, um, I I don't think this game was explicitly inspired by walking simulators. But, um, I mean, we talk about it, like, legitimately almost every podcast we need to stop, but Breath of the Wild has a lot of walking simulator-esque feelings or, or, or tropes in it. Um, just, like, a, a big part of that game is just the f- somber feeling, the, the aloneness of climbing a mountain and then just looking over the top of the mountain and seeing the surroundings, taking it in. And, and just being there. Um, that just does not exist in other Zelda games, right? And I, I think the idea that that can be gameplay, that that can be something that players won't like totally object at doing, is maybe an influence that came over from walking simulators. Um, again, maybe that's a weird example, uh, because... It, it it's it's much more inspired by things like Skyrim and and stuff like that. But there are other examples, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I would say, and it's true. It's as true for games as it is for movies or novels or anything else. I mean, you know, there's that whole point about nothing under the sun being original, um, mm-hmm. and so every creative work you know, is is going to have some degree of influence, in some cases many, many influences from many other works. Um, I think the only time I really object to that is when you have a situation where a developer has sort of just clearly carbon copied something and has done it in such a way that shows they don't really understand the original concept yeah. Um, I think that's what bothers me more because to me that's a sign of um, cre- sort of creative laziness um, rather than sort of saying, oh, you know, um, we were inspired by walking simulators, by that feeling of being alone and that's why we, for example, have such a minimal musical score and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think... In this case, you know, I think they very much sort of understood what they were doing and what effect they were going for. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess the negative side could apply to anything. Yeah, well, I I mean, I personally don't think it's a negative because I like it. But um, yeah. some people don't like it. Are they are they just in, in complaining that these things are, quote-unquote, taking over the industry? Oh, they're just wrong, Mitchell. They're just wrong. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now, I'm going to put you on blast a little bit here, James. I apologize. I've betrayed you your trust here. You told me in confidence before this recording started (laughs) that you were going to be salty a little bit. Um, (laughs) That you, you have a negative opinion of story in games a lot of the time. Mm. And James, that has not come out yet. I need to hear that spicy James scoop. What's up? (laughs) What, what, what's your ish, brah? (laughs) Well, um, I, I suspect 
that one of the reasons I don't get drawn to these games in general, even though I, I didn't mind um, Gone Home and I thought Firewatch was a bit better, but I think one of the reasons I don't get drawn in um, and I'm not a big fan of this genre in general is because in the absence of um, mechanics other than mm-hmm. maybe walking and looking around, um, usually, quite often, there is that reliance on story and characters and that sort of thing. And that can work really well if you have a really strong story, if you have really strong characters, if you've made that into, if you've woven that interactive element in, in such a way that you, you're really complementing the story. But I think, and, and this is probably for games in general, to be honest, I think a lot of games don't do story well and are fairly poorly written uh, and have What do you fairly... think of Uncharted? I know it's a little... Uncharted is not a walking simulator, but I... what do you think of Uncharted? Um, okay, so I'm going to really split hairs here. Mm-hmm. I, when it comes to actual story, um, I don't think Uncharted is all that interesting. I think... The story is is about as derivative as you can get. But I think what makes Uncharted work for me is the actual characterization itself. So I guess what I mean by that is I'm not particularly interested in the stories of each of the characters and, and the role they're playing in the plot. But... I think they're acted so well, they're animated so well, and the dialogue is really well written. And so moment to moment, it's keeping me really engaged. But if I had to kind of go back and think about what I liked about the plot or where the plot was interesting, I'd probably struggle. Um, Whereas I know people who get into certain games and get really, really deeply into the intricacies of the plot and the lore. And and there are mm-hmm. very few games that do that for me. I think, to give you an example of one that I do like in terms of lore and plot, probably Bloodborne, I think hmm. was really, really fascinating. And the, now, that the one's actual... interesting because the story in Bloodborne is not necessarily mm. told to you. Yes. If you yeah. catch my drift. Absolutely. Um, I, I think I think Bloodborne is the first game I've played in a really long time where I was actually so interested in the lore and, and the broader story that I was looking things up online and I was reading different articles about it and different analysis pieces. I really got into that, that story. But for me, that's quite rare in games. Hmm. Well, okay, I think that's going to do it for this time. Uh, if I can just have one last word on the topic, I know this might be cheating because we should have brought it up at the time. I uh, I, I brought this subject up. I, I suggested we do Walking Simulators as an episode because I recently played Edith Finch, or What Remains of Edith Finch is the full title of the game. Mm-hmm. And um, I I still need to digest it a little bit like it it hit hard and and fast and just was what it was very solidly at me <laughs> and, and I'm not ready to like discuss it a whole lot 
um but it's a great great game and um i i think i might like it more than gone home but i'm not sure yet um i i just i would re- i recommend it and i i uh, would have put it as our extracurricular after after school activities but i try to make those not related to the topic of the mm-hmm. episode uh so we can have like a little variety going on but yeah, I, I definitely recommend that you you check it out uh, if you haven't. the The gist of the game is that you are you are Edith Finch, and you're coming home to your family home. And I this is there's going to be a lot of Gone Home echoes here, a lot. It's it's clearly inspired by Gone Home, um, but it, it it's a it's a bit weirder than Gone Home as well because the the premise of the game is that your family has been cursed to die young and in somewhat embarrassing and or like non-eventful ways. Um, Everyone in your family has had this curse. And what you do is you go through this house that's like your family's lived in this house for about a hundred years and you go around and you find out the specifics on how family members of yours died and uh like you've never been told this as a kid and every one of these memories of how your family members died is like a controller i don't want to say gimmick because i think that downplays it a little bit but it uses the controller in an interesting way Mm. like there's this one that comes up kind of early in the game, and this is the only one I'm, I'm going to quote-unquote spoil, and I don't even really think I am, where you are investigating how this one family member of yours died, and he was really young when he died. It turns out he he swung on a, on a swing set too high, fell off, and, and hurt himself. But the ramp up to him doing it, you control him, and like you control his feet specifically, with the left and right analog stick um, as you swing. And there's a lot of stuff like that that's just like there's there's a very real connection between what's happening on the screen and what you're doing in your hands um, that I think draws you into the story more than like a, a, a book about this family ever could. Um, yeah. I, I, very interesting game. Um, I Sorry I cheated. And talked about something out of turn just to recommend it. Um, I'll be better next time, James. No, I'm glad you did because <laughs> I I've, I am not deeply familiar with this game. I'd read a little bit about it, um, but I, I don't know it very well. But it sounds really fascinating. I'll definitely have to check it out. Um, the, the company, the developer behind it is the same as the developer behind The Unfinished Swan which uh, mm. I actually have not played, but I was so impressed by this game that I, I purchased, and it's on my to-play list. Um, okay, yeah, so thank you for listening. If you'd like to correct us about what Dear Esther is actually about, sorry, <laughs> um, but you can do that at podcast at superjump.online. This is the part of the show where we give you our after-school extracurricular activities, um, they are things that are not related to the topic of the episode that we do, but are gaming related in general. And it, it's just a recommendation for you to go, uh, check out. So James, why don't you start? 
Yeah, so um, I'm going to recommend a YouTube channel called My Life in Gaming. Um, it's hosted by Corey Carlson and Mark Duddleson. And I'm recommending it because I am a big retro game collector. I have a, a crazy, an increasingly crazy collection that's taking over the house bit by bit. We've got um, to talk about that one episode. I know that was one of our episode ideas that we haven't gotten around to. Maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will. Um, and one of the problems you have, of course, in if you're a retro game collector, is how do you actually get the best sound and picture quality and how do you connect old machines to new televisions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And this channel is really, really good because they go into how you do it, um, they go into lots of different options and the pros and cons of each. It can get a little bit in-depth sometimes, but it's a really good resource if you're thinking about doing this and you're thinking about, um, you know, like what are the accessories you need to buy and how do you actually set things up. So uh, highly recommended. That's My Life in Gaming, the YouTube channel. That sounds interesting. I'll check it out. Um I hope when, like, if anyone ever edits snippets to these episodes together and my reaction to you, to your after-school activity is always, that sounds interesting, I'll check it out. I hope it doesn't make me sound less genuine about it, because it does sound (laughs) interesting. interesting. I will check it out. Um, Okay, yeah, mine is a a single YouTube video, but it's about an hour long, which um, obviously everyone can't do but uh if you're interested in the subject matter i i would recommend it it's by jonathan blow who is a a a renowned game designer he did braid and he recently did the witness um and the title of the youtube video is techniques for dealing with lack of motivate motivation malaise depression that's text techniques for dealing with lack of motivation malaise depression and he talks about it mostly from the perspective of dealing with um a a project that takes an extraordinarily long amount of time um he's he's coming off of the development of the witness even though that was over a year ago he's still technically coming off of it because that development took him seven years of his life which is crazy that's insane right um but uh when you work on something long for an extended period of time and it when it starts to mean a lot to you um you're very susceptible to being hit with just lack of motivation malaise and depression like he says and if you have ever dealt with any of those things um i i, I recommend it i personally have all the time uh dealt with those things i'm i have a very very hard time um mustering up the motivation even to do simple things for myself like edit this podcast episode i'll probably do last minute um that that's just part of like how i live <laughs> but uh, yeah so check it out if you if you like uh you can find us at social media or on social media rather at facebook.com slash super jump online twitter.com slash super jump online or you can just find us, the proper us, at superjump.online. Uh, once again, if you could review us on iTunes, I'd love it. Uh, I'd love it a lot. If you could follow us on Medium, so you follow the Super Jump publication, 
uh, maybe clap for a few of our articles that you like. That'd be great too. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else, James? No, I've got to. I've got to get Edith Finch now. <laughs> I think that's oh. going to be my next task. I'm I'm so excited to hear what you think. Um, especially as someone who didn't like Gone Home, I wonder if you'll like this one. It's a little more gamey than Gone Home, so we'll see how yeah. it goes. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, until next time, wait, no. We'll jump at you next time. Stay super. <laughs> <laughs>